podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. We are, of course, the mega powers of the Terrace and we are back once again to take a look at the fag end of Scottish football. Now, Craig Anderson and Robert Borthwick might have cast their eyes over the glitz and the glamour of the League Cup on Monday, but you won't find that kind of stardust here. No, we are going to be poking around in the trash like a pair of starving raccoons, hoping to find something we can salvage and discuss from the action in League One and League Two last weekend. And of course, Sean, as normal, we are going to be talking about three games, including Edinburgh City's win over Stenismuir and Annan Athletic's barnstorming victory over Stirling Albion. But first, we are going to start in a hole. That's right, we're going to Cumbernauld, where Clyde picked up the three points against Aloha Athletic. David Goodwillie opened the scoring just before the hour mark with a bullet header. And although Stefan Skugel's precise finish drew parity 13 minutes later, Goodwillie won inside the match with a supreme individual effort right at the death. Now, Sean, I was at Broadwood for this match, but I'm keen to hear your thoughts about this. What did you make of this game? I, when I watched it back, I was, I'd, I'd presumed that from what I'd read, I'd read that Alawa were poor, uh, but it had been... Uh, not necessarily a smash and grab victory for Clyde, but maybe slightly unwarranted and, and undeserved. I, I think it sums up where Clyde are, if you want to discuss them first. Uh, I, I think Clyde can probably, every now and again, turn up and not be very good, but David Goodwillie will dig them out of a hole and, and get them out, out of trouble. And you've seen, it, you've, you've seen it for a couple of seasons now. Clyde don't necessarily have to be good to avoid uh, relegation. As long as David Goodwill is quite good, then they will probably avoid relegation. And this game probably sums up what Clyde are about at this moment in time. I think so, Sean. As we've described, we described Clyde on a few occasions as David Goodwill and 10 other cunts. And I really think that was hugely apparent at this game on Saturday. I think if, if you just jump back a, a couple of days to their midweek game against Broomhill in the SPFL Trust Cup, that was a massive embarrassment for them going out to the Lone League side. I mean, this is not a good Broomhill or BSC Glasgow side. This is a team who are very likely are, are candidates to be relegated from the Lone League this time around, which is good. I think uh, the, the country can agree on that beyond a couple <laughs> of people. Uh, so, that and, and noticeably, that was actually without David Good Goodwillie and the team, but watching him on on Saturday, you can he's just miles ahead of anything on the pitch. And I include Aloe in that, just his, his speed of thought, his movement, his strength, his physicality, the way he uses his body. And I, I was looking at his stats in Wikipedia, it's something like 80 goals in 120 odd games for Clyde, which is which is absolutely incredible. And when you watch him play, you can you can see why sides 
like like Falkirk and Inverness, Caledonia and Thistle. I think they've been rumoured to have been taking a look at it in the past. You can see why they'd want to do that. Of course, you really have to put Goodwillie into, into context, of course. In, in January 2017, he was found guilty of rape in a Scottish civil court. So on the balance of probabilities, he's a rapist. And that's why he is playing at a level at Clyde. But just to talk about him as a football player, fantastic. And, and the two goals that he scored in this game were, were, were incredible. One, the bullet header. And secondly, the, the individual effort that, that won in the game. Talk me about those goals, Sean. Uh, they were both excellent finishes. Um, I mean, his first goal, he, I would say for both goals, though, he probably took advantage of poor defending at, at both. I mean, for the first goal, as much as it was a, a great header from a, I think it was a Ross Cunningham yes. cross, uh, but he got in front of Fernando Mendy uh, to, to kind of bullet his header past uh, David Hutton. A, a brilliant finish, but I, Mendy was, Mendy was poor at that moment. Mendy looked like he was, Poor in general, judging by from uh, judging by what he saw. I was interested to see how Mendy gets on this season, but I he looks like it looks like League One might be yeah. beyond him uh, well, as much as the the Championship was beyond him. I or, for, for talk about goal, second goal. I mean to to score from. I mean it, it gets the ball out wide, and you see Andy Graham jogging over, and you think, right, well it doesn't like there's too much danger here. Just shepherd him to the byline. It'll probably be okay. And he actually gets to the byline, but then Andy Graham probably goes down a wee bit early and probably too far away from him. And it just allows, he, he kind of slides in, but he's he's probably two yards away for Goodwillie when he slides in and he just gives him the opportunity to, to jink past him. But he's finished from an acute angle that again, maybe David Hutton could have done better, but it was, mm. it was so powerfully struck, aye. so sweetly struck then. I would probably give Hutton the, the benefit of the doubt, but aye, I, I mean, aye, you can you can criticise the defending but it was two finishes that, that, that the quality of which you don't generally see in League One. No, I, I agree with you. I think that the first one, at the, and watching it in the ground, I thought that's fantastic movement to, to just like, I, I thought he sprinted across the, the penalty box to, to meet Ross Cunningham's cross, but he was quite static actually. It's just that he, he sort of steps in front of Mendy and it's no less a, a fantastic finish. I mean, it's a, it's a really good goal. The second one, I think that, that with Graham sliding in like that, I mean, I, it's no secret I'm a big fan of Andy Graham, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here. And I think that him going to ground like that was, you weigh up your options in, in that and you think, well, you've got um, Craig Howie's coming to cover. Mark Dornan's just over his shoulder and he's at such an acute angle. He's going to have to do something really special here to, to, to beat David Hutton. <laughs> and that's, that's sure enough that, that's what he does I mean, it's a tremendous finish I think that just to have the speed of mind to, to just think well you know what the best thing just absolutely put the laces through it and to be able to hit it with that power and that accuracy from that angle it's it's just phenomenal and like Clyde didn't really have that many chances he didn't carve Aloha open that often certainly I mean they, they, they did create chances but nothing was, was particularly clear cut but that when they when they did it was just it just all came through David Goodwillie and just like like I say miles ahead of, of, of everything else in the pitch he, I think he won that game for, for Clyde no doubt about it I know that's a that's a stupid thing to say because he got the two goals but but I was thinking of the other Clyde players that played well I thought Cunningham showed a couple of nice touches I think Morgaro Gomez in the middle of the park was one of the few players to, to really try and put his foot in the ball and carry the team forward. 
successfully so he was sometimes caught out but he was always looking to take the team forward and Kevin Nicol you know what Kevin Nicol's like he's just a big bruiser in the middle of the park that'll just put himself about and, and, and get toes in there so the, the, these guys played their part but it was definitely uh, David Goodwillie's match do you think that do you think that Clyde are going to have enough about them to stay up because as much as as much as he's got the three points for this game and as much as the fans presumably went home happy I thought for the bulk of the game in general they, they look like they were second best and you're still you're still expecting them to be in a clutch of sides at the bottom of the league now, now what what those other teams will be in that clutch I'm not entirely sure maybe them maybe East Fife maybe Peterhead but they still have something that, that those teams don't and that's somebody who'll probably score 20 league goals the interesting thing Sean uh, the after Alo scored Stefan Skugel scored I think it was about 72 minutes I, and, and they had changed formation by this point. We will we'll come on and talk about uh, Barry Ferguson and, and how they started the match, but they changed formation to, to something orthodox and something that I think the players were comfortable in and the players could understand. And Stefan Skugel was really taking control of that game. He was sort of playing as the, really just the number 10, playing as the, uh, I'm loath to use the term Czech Wartista when I'm talking about Scottish League One football, but I'm going to use it anyway. He was playing as the Czech Wartista role just in, in, in behind the behind Connor Salmon up front and he really was pulling the strings, getting some really nice touches uh, in there. And when, when they scored for the final 10 minutes, certainly, it, it really was all Aloha. And, and again, they weren't really doing anything clear cut. It was a lot of heavy pressure on, on Clyde without creating any openings. And I do think Clyde deserve an element of credit for the way they, they defended it and were able to, to keep Aloha at bay. But if anyone was going to score, it was going to be the Wasps. And so for like David Mitchell to just hout the ball up the park and find its way to Goodwillie, and then for it to find its way into the back of the net, I, I don't think that was something that, that anyone suspected. I don't think Aloha necessarily deserved to win the game. I think a, I think a draw was probably the fairer result at the end. But it still it, it doesn't matter. Fundamentally, they had all that pressure and, and and didn't come away with anything. So I I suppose if you were a Clyde supporter, you'd be like, that was great. The three points were fantastic. And I think it's a huge result for Danny Lennon after the, the defeat to Broomhill. But yeah, it's still very much a case of we must protect our striker at all costs. I don't think there'll be many other teams in that league who have a someone who... who uh, there's, I don't think there's any other teams in the division who are so reliant on one player as Clyde are on Goodwillie. And I think I, th- I think it probably sums up, well, certainly the, the difference on the day in terms of who was the man leading the line for both teams. So for Clyde, <laughs> you had David Goodwillie. And then for Aloha, you had, you had Conor Salmon. The, I think there was maybe, there was at least two, maybe three occasions in the highlights where he attempted to control the ball yes. in his chest. Now, you know how like, now generally if you, if you bring the ball down in your chest, it's normally like, it's like a kind of cushioned effect. That's generally like where you're going to bring it down and then it'll drop at your feet and then you'll, you'll kind of charge on. But it's almost like his chest is made of the same material as a trampoline. Because was, it just, just bounces off him. And then there was, there was a point in the first half where it was a really good ball over the top and Salmon was, was running through and he, like, he's not a slouch. I mean, he's, he's reasonably quick mm-hmm. and he controlled the ball on his chest and you're like, right, you're in here. But actually, it just it bounced off his chest and then he just chased it out of play. But there was at least another couple of times where it just it just bounces off him. It just does not stick. It, it must be, from an Alloa fan's perspective, it must be, well, I find them quite infuriating to watch yeah. and I'm, I'm not an Alloa fan. 
You know something, when I was watching Sam, because I know that he got a, a hard time from Falkirk supporters uh, last season, and I was actually playing five-a-sides with a couple of Falkirk fans last night and was talking to them about Connor Salmon, having seen him at the weekend, and they said that, that he would his good games came around like one every eight or nine, and in those games you'd be like, well, that's the sort of player that, that, that we're looking from you. But, I mean, you can't, for someone who's going to be a principal striker going into the season, you, you really need more from him. I was watching him on Saturday and, and I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to see him in the flesh playing for Falkirk. But you're watching him and you're thinking, right, Wigan paid £600,000 <laughs> to you for Kilmarnock. Hartamid Lothian gave you a, a three and a half year contract when, when, when they signed you. Was it for Derby they, they signed him? Certainly, Hart, Hart's, he got a good contract for his time at the JTs. And you think, right, what is it about you? that has seen these clubs invest so heavily in you. Because you see that when, when players drop down a level. Sometimes, I'm, like I said, I'm, I've always said I'm quite sceptical about how players uh, like, like taking the plunge and, and how they can adapt it. But you always get like flashes. Even if they're not very good, you get flashes of that quality that, that encourage teams to put that kind of outlay on them. I didn't see anything from Salmon to suggest that. I think, as you say, he is, he's quite quick off the mark. Even at the age of 34, he's still got a, a, a good wee burst of pace in him over short distances. And he's he's quite strong. You know, he's got really, really broad shoulders and he's got quite a big arse, so he can back into players. In terms of his technique, though, there was one bit in the... the, the, the was it the set? One bit in the first half. He got the ball. I think it might have been Scott Taggart played uh, played the ball into it, 10 yards, quite a hard pass, and he tried to control it with his instep. And the thing went five yards. It was almost like he was like volleying it back to, to, to Taggart. And again, another bit I think you highlighted, he got the ball clipped into him. This is in the second. I think this is when the scores were 1-1. Ball clipped into him, controlled it, and then tried to hit the thing in his left foot on the half volley as it was coming down and just shanked it. Into the into the stand and 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 people were people were laughing at him. I I know it's, I, I, this player left the club prior to Ferguson coming in, but Robert Thompson, who left the club in the summer, who's gone to Stennis Muir, who we'll, we'll come on and talk about. But like, if you wanted to play that kind of football, should have kept Thompson because Thompson's what I've seen. Thompson's a, a far better player than, than Connor Salmon, and I imagine he'd be on a, a a more modest wage. But I, I think that's certainly a position that, that Alo I need to address. But I actually think that Alo have got a, a number of positions that they need to address based on that performance. I think, uh, I think, not for the first time, you, you probably have to question Barry Ferguson's recruitment because I was surprised they went for Salmon. And I mean, bear in mind, bear in mind, the Salmon is playing for Falkirk, who were their favourites for that for that division two years in a row. He couldn't have scored goals for a full-time team in a part-time league. I didn't expect him to then start scoring goals for Alloa in, in that league either. He, he's, oh. I, I don't think he's going to have more opportunities to score goals for Alloa than he did at Falkirk, and he was he was wasteful at Falkirk. And then on top of that, guys like uh, Mendy, who we've already mentioned, who I, I didn't think was going to be good enough for Alloa. Uh, Adam King, who was just like anonymous yeah. on loan at, at, at Ray Throwers. I, I don't think he was particularly great. It's quite interesting you talk about Adam King there. I only, like, I, at Broadwood, I, I didn't get the team, so I was trying to bring them up on my phone, and I didn't get them because I couldn't get them. The 4G wasn't working in Broadwood. It was only till Adam King was substituted that I realised he was playing. No impact whatsoever on the game. No impact whatsoever. But it's interesting, the players that you've touched on there, I think it's, it's worth talking about. Mendy is, is, uh, is certainly one. Mendy was really poor. 
Like, like really poor. Probably one of the worst performances I've seen uh, a player have this season. And for, when you see him, he, he you think he's just going to be a no-nonsense defender, someone that will just like, like a stopper, can head the ball, just protect the penalty box, make sure that ball's nowhere near it. And I think I've seen somebody say, I may have been in Pine Bovel, it may have actually been a discussion with yourself, in fact, that oh, he's been partnered alongside Andy Graham. Andy Graham will just talk him through the games. Andy Graham will keep him right. But Andy Graham, I'm sure, isn't telling him to dribble 30 yards into a Clyde player you know, and give, give the ball away. But he did that about two or three occasions. It's like it, it, the, the, trying to dribble out of defence, which I'm sure is progressive. That's what Ferguson will be looking for from you. But to just give it away, and then there was other times as well, I think that, that Goodwillie sussed them out quite early on and, and would drift left. They were playing a back three, so it was Dunn and Graham and Mendy. Goodwillie was, was drifting wide left to, to basically hang on the shoulder of, of Mendy. So there's times when the ball was clipped into the channel for him, he would stand Mendy up, take him one way, take him the other, put him in his arse and come inside. The highlights didn't show that, but there was a number of times that he did that and Mendy just uh, just didn't deal with it. And you saw him for the, the opening goal, allowed Goodwillie to, to, to nip across him. And I, I remember thinking that Mendy might have the qualities to play as a effectively just patrolling the defence, sit him in front of the back four and do that. I'm not sure. I've, I've just not seen anything from him. And I know that he's a, I don't like slagging players off and know that, that he's supposed to be a really, really lovely guy and someone who really seems to have really en- enjoyed his time in Fife and, and was, was well thought of, quite well, a, a popular player at the... He was a cult hero. He was a cult player at Wraith Rovers and he was well thought of at Kelty Hearts. However, uh, I, I don't think Kelty Hearts had to do a lot of defending in the Lowland League. No, no, he's going to be in the front foot a lot of the time and he certainly won't have come up against anyone as, as, as good as Clyde's number nine. They, they, they played the formation they played it was like a three I think it was a three four two one probably actually version of a three five one one so you had that back three there you had Scott Taggart playing at wing back Scott Boyd playing at left wing back a position that 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 I thought I thought Scott Boyd somebody might need to correct me here but I thought Scott Boyd was just like an orthodox striker yeah so did I yeah never a wide player midfield fat, midfield three of Adam King who as we mentioned didn't influence the game at all Craig Howey who after Mendy's performance might be better utilised as, as part of that defence but well, what I was going to say about Howey was so, so I spoke about Howey after the the League Cup game that Aldo played at Wraith Rovers and I thought they were solid and Howie and Andy Graham were the two centre-halves and they were excellent. But since then, Howie has played at right-back in one of the games, then on Saturday he's played in the middle of the park. Mm-hmm. And again, it's one of these things where Ferguson, Barry Ferguson, he, he likes to tinker and he likes to play with things and he likes to change things and you, you sometimes feel it's all very unnecessary. That's you know something. That's that's the feeling I got. That that that's absolutely feel feeling that I got. I mean, th- I think one of the big problems that he's had is that after Liam Dick left the club and joined the Rovers, they, they don't have a. I don't think they've got a proper left back. Daniel Church isn't a, a, a left back, is he? he? Might need to. I don't think so. No, no, you're, you're screwing your face up there. Daniel Church probably is <laughs> a fullback. So the, the the change that they made was that they took off Mendy. They brought on John Robertson. And just went to an orthodox sort of uh, back four, or, or uh, it was a back four, and and uh, that's something I can't understand. Like, why if you've got a player as good as John Robertson, why why would you not play him? 
like uh, like John Robertson is uh, like very experienced, very professional, very versatile player. You know, like not nominally a central midfielder, but but had played as a as a right back for a lot of time in that the classic Coca Cola um, uh, Aloha defence. You know, when it was uh, Dick Graham Taggart Robertson. Robertson came on at left back and looked really assured. And I know that it's not as necessarily his position, but he can fill in there. Playing for the time being, go and try and get a left back and loan from someone, and you just keep things simple because just whatever they were doing, just it didn't suit anyone. The only the only person who the only players who I think looked comfortable in that in that system were, were school as number ten and uh, Mohamed Niang, who they brought in alone from Partick Fist. So he didn't really do much, but at least he looked quite comfortable in that sort of number eight role, going uh, like sort of the box-to-box formation. But playing like a, a 3-4-2-1 or a 3-5-1-1, whatever way you want to try and spin it, it just didn't suit players. And you think, why not look at your squad, try to think, right, I've got this team of players, what are they best at doing? Fit them into that position and then go and make the changes to think, well, I'm not, I don't really want to play this way. Then you can maybe think about, about bringing other players in. It just didn't, it just didn't really seem to make much sense to me. And I think that Ferguson is already off to a bad start at Aloha. And this is probably before a ball was even kicked because I think a lot of people in Scottish football don't, outside of Rangers fans won't like Barry Ferguson purely because of his connections with Rangers and the fact that he's on the radio and writing in the papers about Rangers. That's fundamentally his job away from, 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 from coaching. And that can rub people up the wrong way. And I think he was a surprise appointment, Allo, as well, that a lot of fans might not necessarily have taken to. So there's a lot of external factors are already against him. And then you're sort of exacerbating it by, by playing this, this wacky brand of football that doesn't seem to have the tools that you've got. And I can understand that Alwa fans would be a bit worried by the fact that previously we had a good squad of players, albeit one that was relegated, that perhaps needed a bit of freshen up. But you're not freshening up. Instead of putting a pine tree in the car, you're putting a big sack of potato peels in the car instead. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I watched the game against, I watched the win against East Fife. I thought to a degree, I, I thought they're probably the better team against East Fife, but to a degree they were a wee bit fortunate. I thought East Fife had spells in that game where they were dominant and for a, a spell it looked like it was more likely East Fife would get an equaliser rather than Alloa would, would, would end up getting a, a third goal for the win. But I, I, I did think there was a, I suppose Alloa fans are now pinning their hopes on uh so they've still got two key players that are out injured. So Alan Trouton missed out mm-hmm. at the weekend. Uh, Kevin Colley missed out again at, at the weekend. So, so you would presume that those two players coming back will make a difference. I, I did think it was an interesting comment on Pine Bovril where for a lot of years now, Alawa have got, uh, have received plaudits for always making good managerial choices. But you look at Peter Grant, who obviously... Uh, went down with them last season. I don't know if Peter Grant, I had my doubts about Peter Grant when he was appointed Dunfermline boss. He might turn things around. That's uh, it's pretty early in the season. It might be that Peter Grant actually is a good manager, but I don't know if he's a good manager. Barry Ferguson had his spell at Clyde. He's had his spell at Kelty Hearts. I don't know if Barry Ferguson's a very good manager. Well, I, I think I think we'll find out this season, but I, I, I don't know if Aloha have been making good no. managerial choices for the last couple of seasons. No, you know something? I think it's when you, when you think of Aloha, you go back, I mean, Alan Maitland had been at the club a long time, so I think that for a lot of people, it will be the appointment of Paul Hartley 
back in 2000 and when were they, they were relegated. That would have been 2011 they were relegated. That ah, was 2011 they were relegated into the old third division and Paul Hartley was appointed manager. Since then, Paul Hartley, um, David Barry Smith, Danny Lennon, not, not fantastic managers there. Like Jim Goodwin, obviously, and Jack Ross. Peter Grant, no, because they were relegated. Uh, and Barry Ferguson, the, the jury's still out. So I'd say that their managerial record's probably just as, as good and as bad as every other team's. You know, where, where you've got, yes, some gems. Well, there's there's three managers that have gone on to, to, to kick up, which I suppose for a part-time team, that's exactly what you want. But then you fucking hired Barry Smith, you know, so... So let's let's keep in perspective. But I I, I do I, I do fear for them a little bit. I think that, that Ferguson Ferguson does have his, his work cut out. And I think that you're right, when you get a, a guy like Alan Trouton back in and Kevin Collar, there's not as many not many teams could could do without without as, as creative and as, as talented and as technical players as them. But based on that evidence on Saturday, they, they looked fairly uninspiring. A formation that didn't really suit them. A goalkeeper who I don't particularly rate, I, th- I think Hutton, there was one bit you could see it in the highlights. I think that Goodwillie went in for a Andy Graham challenge, Goodwillie, and Goodwillie sort of controlled the ball with his hands. And the referee, he was coming up, he was getting on his knees and pushed the ball forward uh, with his wrist. The referee gave a foul. And then David Hutton comes steaming out and, and pushes him. To, He's to very get angry. He's very angry. What, what, what are you so aggressive for? And weirdly, I saw I saw Neil Parry was in the stands. Now, Neil Parry is someone I did a Pelly podcast with and someone whose telephone number I have and who I have texted for advice in the past about, about um, doing podcasts with other players. I saw him, I looked up as if to say all right to him and I got patched. And I don't know if he saw me or not. I'd like to think he didn't. Uh, but that was um, that was a, a mortifying experience in Broadway. I was there myself as well. Um, and that was uh, that, that was mortifying. That, uh, that, that must have been a real blow to morale. A guy that you spent for I don't know two or three yeah, hours. Yeah, just just kind of like across across a desk, yeah. and and he just he just totally ignored you. Yeah, he might not have seen me. I might, he might not have seen me, but um, maybe maybe he did. And was like, fuck, there's that. There's that, that flabby jobber for that that rubbish podcast. I'm, I'm, this, this guy will be asking me why I've been dropped. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to speak to him. I'm just going to pretend that I've, uh, that, that I've never seen him. But I, I, I don't understand why you would... It, it seems like a, a big downgrade going for, for Neil Parry to David Hutton. Uh, so, so, aye, aye. And Clyde, as, as we mentioned, Clyde will... Uh, keep Goodwillie fit, you've got a chance. If Goodwillie's not fit, as you saw against Broomhill, then, then, then they're in bother. But I, I can't imagine... I can't imagine any of these sides being involved in the, the top four discussion at any point. This Well, maybe Aloha, but certainly not Clyde. I, no, I, I don't think Aloha will, unless there is a, unless there is a, a, a big turnaround in their fortunes. And I know, I think Collie will make, uh, I think Collie will make a difference to this team. And I think Troughton will make, like, I, I like Troughton, but at his age now, I, like, a lot of his goals come for the penalty spot. And I don't know how many of his goals, and I'm saying that without actually checking back, so that could be a loader, but it feels like a lot of his goals come for the penalty spot. So again, whether he's going to score goals from open play, I'm not sure. And again, you kind of think to yourself, is, is Connor Salmon, is Ferguson going to drop Connor Salmon? The fact that he's he's signed them, he, he seems to, he seems to like to go into teams and then have a real kind of clearing of the decks and bring in his own players. And I, I don't always think that's wise. I think you just need to look at his time at Clyde where he got rid of, he must have burned through about 100 players. I think it was, I think it was actually, it was about 100 players in, in two and a half years. 
I think that he's got, he doesn't seem to have the best patience. I think in, in the players he's got and the sort of style of football that he wants to get from them because he, I think I referenced it before the podcast with Scott McLaughlin who played under him, Pelly podcast, Scott McLaughlin who played under him at Clyde and spoken about the, the changes that he made and, and the, the lack of patience he has in players. It was quite interesting because knowing that Anytime Aloha had a set piece, so where I was sitting in Broadway, I was, wasn't too far from the Aloha uh, dugout. And Scott Tagger on two occasions had free kicks. There was one that he had, and it was a good chance, like, like Mendy, Graham, Dernan were all four inside the penalty box. Taggart stands over it and melts it over the crossbar, you know, into that sort of big grey wire fence behind the stand. And you could just see Ferguson was down on his hunches and just turns in his face all screwed up, raging that this uh, has been squandered. To be fair, that I think most managers w- would be like that. But I just think with it, perhaps it's a bit accented with Ferguson because we saw what it was like at Clyde previously, and, and we know how uh, we know how he likes to, to change through players. But uh, my advice for that: sign a left back. That that be you'd be off to a good start, and uh, just just go four four two. It's as simple as that. That's that, that's that's my advice, Barry. If you're listening, sign a left back. Go four four two. But Sean, we will drop down a league and jump back in time to Friday night to Ainsley Park, where Edinburgh City and Stenismere competed in an absolutely abject game of football with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. The citizens came out on top, courtesy of Ryan Shanley's goal just after the half hour, half hour mark, and uh, Tamor missed a second half penalty for the visitors. Uh, this, this is rubbish. This game was this game was really really bad. I think that. Um, because it was a Friday night, Fowler, Tony and Duncan came down to, to watch the match. I think midway through the second half, I actually had to apologise to them because of how low quality it was. And Tony Anderson, Tony, who is perhaps one of the most optimistic men on the planet, one of the most big-hearted, sees the best in everyone, actually turned and said, yeah, tell for you, right, that was shite. Uh, and when he's saying that, that, that you know you're on to a loser. My my main takeaway from this was that you appeared to be at, at one point in the game engulfed. Would that be the correct word? Engulfed by some boisterous, I don't know, teenagers, and yeah. you, you you didn't look overly keen. You you looked you looked quite scared. Uh, I, I saw somebody. I think Craig Fowler put the photograph on on Twitter, and somebody replied to the comments: "Is a Craig Telfer meeting the working class?" <laughs> Which I found, uh, I found quite funny. No, there was there was a young team, a, a bunch of Edinburgh City fans. In fact, they weren't just Edinburgh fans; they were Edinburgh fans, Partick Thistle fans, Falkirk supporters. A, a real sort of um, odds and sods, uh, like a, a real Bass Street kids vibe to it. Uh, were, were, were there and they, they were really nice they, they watched uh, they listened to the podcast they watched a view for the terrace they, they asked us for for, uh, for selfies which is very obliging to do um, but that one Fowler took it and I just thought well, let's, let's, let's pull a funny face uh, for a laugh but no it was um, it was good to see them and it's good to always good to meet people who, who enjoy the show and, 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 and it was turned into uh, a, a number of uh, reasonably amusing Photoshop uh, that's because Tony Anderson was in the background there with his uh, with his sunglasses, somebody looking like a shaven-headed Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> uh, so I favourite one, though, was uh, I think it was somebody had uh, photoshopped my grimace onto the, the horse rider, you know, the, 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 the Olympian who was doing the modern pentathlon and uh, lost control of the horse. 
and the horse has got this big glacier look in its face and she's got this horrible grimace. Somebody somebody done that, which was uh, which was very funny. But but enough about that, Sean. What did you make of this game? Could you make anything of this game because of the, the way the sun was hanging in the highlights? So I think the highlights lasted about nine minutes and for approximately... Five of those nine minutes, I couldn't see anything. No, I when the ball I went down the far end because the, the camera was facing straight into the the, the blaring sun, uh, yeah. so I couldn't really see. I couldn't see who gave away Stenny's goal. I I presumed it was uh, the I thought it was a right back, but I presume I, I don't think it was. Was it? It was Nicky Jamison, who yeah. appears to be giving away a goal a game these days. You're absolutely right. I think that when. when but prior to Jameson coming in, you looked at, well, certainly I looked at that Stennis Weir team. I think that's a, that's a team that can challenge for promotion, perhaps, but it needs a, a solid right, a solid centre back. It needs someone to come in there and partner Sean Crichton. And when Jameson was made available from from, from Aloha, I, I thought it's a great signing. I actually think that quite interesting. Stennis Muir had, you need to obviously, sit, if you get good centre backs, that's you, you're on to, you're really on to a winner there. And the centre backs that Stennis Muir had gone in for, Craig Howey was one. Ryan McGeever, uh, Sean Crichton, who they eventually signed. Gregor Buchanan was was one as well. Um, and they, they tried to get Jameson in, but he he'd agreed a, a new deal with Alwa. But with Ferguson coming in, Jameson fell further down the pecking order and was made available. And he played very well in his debut in the, the League Cup against Partick Thistle. Since then, however... He was culpable, I'd say not directly culpable, he should have done a lot better against Sterling Albion on the opening game of the season when Mark Laird sort of like pirouetted into the penalty box and, and, and squared for Mark McNiff to get the opening goal of the game against Albion Rovers the following week. Was not again not responsible for, for, for a goal, but, but it could have been a catastrophic error. And at this, it was a, a channel ball that he came across to clear all it required was just putting the laces through it and putting it back to where it came from. But he slices the clearance, falls in his arse, and then Ryan Shanley's in. And then the, the problem with that is Stenismere's goalkeeper, Ryan Marshall, he's, he's more or less like Vasilis Barkas, where if you simply kick the ball at him, it's more likely to go into the net. I don't think there's many Warriors fans have any, any confidence in the goalkeeper's ability to save shots. I mean, obviously you're going to one moment with the goalkeeper, but I think you've got a responsibility there to, to sort of cover your near post and try to make him, if he's going to shoot, it's going to have to go around you. And if it does, if the ball's bent around you, then you'd be like, well, well fair enough, because it's a really good finish. But he, he chose to protect his near post, but stand with his legs wide open. And the ball, so the ball just went right through his legs and into the back of the net. And I think that he's... There's a few players we can come on and talk about about Stennis Muir, but he's definitely uh, not been it's on the evidence so far. Haven't really been impressed with with Ryan Marshall at the Warriors yet. And I'm glad you were able to describe that because when I watched it on the highlights, it was like a deleted, <laughs> scene, a deleted scene from Sunshine. I could not <laughs> couldn't make anything out at, at all. Uh, so you're saying that though, but from what I did see, I thought now I, I'm probably going to mispronounce this. I presumed it was Brian. Schwick, but it sounded like on the highlights are pronouncing it Schwacke. Is that right? Schwacke. Aye, that's, I, thought, I thought it was Schwick as well. I, hope, I, uh, well, I thought he had a... So that's Edinburgh City's new goalkeeper. Yes. I thought he had a very good game. The, 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 both Edinburgh City commentators, well, the, the, the main commentator, thought he was the, the, the man of the match. And I think you can maybe argue that Steny probably deserved more than, than zero points for, for the game. I, I thought they arguably looked like the better team. 
No, no, I actually think it was, a, you know, Saturday or something, a draw might have been the fairer result in that. I mean, I mean, Schwocky did very well. I suppose he did very well. I mean, it was there for Tamor's penalty. You got to say it was actually a very poorly hit penalty because Schwocky moves to his left, then Tamor hits it in that direction. So it was very, very easy for, for the goalkeeper to save. Other than that, he wasn't really called upon. Like, let's say the Warriors were, were, were really poor. But so were Edinburgh City. I thought it was... This was a match between two sides that I think have really got a lot of work to do if they want to consider themselves top four sides. This Edinburgh side, I'll be honest, at my vantage point, I was behind the goals on the, on the mound. I think Aisley Park's a really bad place to watch football. I think it's one of the worst grounds in the country. However, on the grassy mound behind the goals, it was actually really good. And, and it, it, particularly when, when Stennis were attacking, I was paying more attention to the Warriors than I was Edinburgh City. But I didn't see anything from them to suggest that, that wow, this is, this is a really good side. They certainly look poorer than the side that finished last season. I, I, I don't really think that anyone's through. I think Callum Tapping put in some nice touches. Schwocky, as we mentioned, had a, a good game. And I think that after they got their goal, Stennis were, were prompted really to, to start playing in the front foot and open themselves up a little bit. And I think that if they were perhaps a bit more clinical in front of goal, John Robertson, who they've got on loan from St. Johnson, missed a really good chance. Actually, he was put one and one and, and really pulled his shot wide quite, quite badly. At least should have forced the goalkeeper into a save. They don't look like a good side, this Edinburgh team. And I, on, on the basis, I mean, it was one game, but what I've seen so far for them for the start of the season, I don't think they'll they'll challenge them for the top four. And I'd also say I don't think Stennis Muir will challenge for the top four now either. Do you think that, so you're, you're suggesting that they're not going to challenge the top four. Do you think they could potentially be in bother? I do. Because I think, yeah. is, it, is, is it the next two fixtures are against Cowdenbeath and Kelty? Is that right? Yeah, I, I would say going into the game against Cowdenbeath, you've got Cowdenbeath and a team who... Missed the game against Stranraer last weekend because they had players isolating because of the, the coronavirus. So they, they didn't play last weekend. And I'm not sure if they're able to train at all this week because they, they had players absent. So if you're going into a game at home against one of the lesser lights in the division who haven't played or haven't trained for, for a number of days over a week, if you can't beat them, then you're in bother. And but, you can, but do you not think... I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. However... I think Cowdenbeath might have one of the better squads in, in League 2, bearing in mind. Uh, I watched them against uh, Kelty. And yes, I looked all right I, against I, I think they must have penalty against Kelty and, and for large kind of swathes of that game, they, they gave Kelty a lot of that. I think Cowdenbeath's yeah. got a good team. Yeah, I, I agree. So that's not to do counting at the service, but I'm saying that, 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 that traditionally Cowden are one of the lesser lights in that division. I don't expect Cowdenbeath to, to 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 get into the playoffs, for, for instance, I think they'll they'll, they'll be uh, fifth or sixth or seventh. I think they'll be mid table this season, counting. But if, if you're, it's like I've, I've, as an expression I've used before. If you're serious about about doing well, then a team that haven't trained for for and didn't play last week, you have to beat them. You know, at home that you have to beat them. And and since we are facing the, the prospect of losing it, losing the count, and they could get battered by Kelty Hearts. That's five games from one point. That's a that's a dismal start to the season. And I, I, I was looking through the Stensfield team. I, I was quite cautious about, about. I don't want to act smart after the fact because that's just stupid. And the number of times that on this podcast 
or on the on a view for the terrace, things I've said that have, that have turned out to be wrong, there's innumerable. So, you know, you don't want to act smart after the fact. And it's early days as well. So, I mean, there's still plenty of time to turn it around. I was quite cautious about Stephen Swift uh, becoming the manager and thinking that he'll recruit loads of guys from, from the Lowland League. And, and, and that's, that has been the case. The guys from the Lowland League, I, I, from what the evidence that I've seen that from the BSC players, only one you could say is, is, is has been a qualified success so far, and that's Ross Lyon, the right back. He was missing against Edinburgh because he was injured. He's good at going forward, but he can be got at going the other way. The rest of them, like Ryan Marshall, we, we've discussed. Jamie Mills was really poor against Sterling Albion in the opening day and hasn't been seen since. Um, Michael Anderson really going to be nothing more than a squad player. Ryan Tierney. The, the sort of play, player who you sign if you've only got like £10 left in your budget and you need another <laughs> player. Um, but the thing is, that it looks like, like you, you're kind of mentioning names that are that, that you don't feel are good enough for Steny, but it looks like Steny's got a massive squad. They do. Like it looks like they've got a big, big squad. They, they do, they do, Sean. That's that, and, and there's there's one of the problems. So so we were talking about the guys there that have signed from the Lowland League, from from BSC Glasgow that that, that I I've not been particularly impressed by. <clears throat> I think that the the, the defence, for instance, and this was something I found quite confusing prior to the game against Dundee United B that took place last Tuesday or last Wednesday, one of the two, uh, last Tuesday, uh, Stephen Swift brought in a right-back, John Craig from Kilmarnock, and he's already got two left-backs at the club, Bernard Call and, and Jamie Mills, as we mentioned there. And he was asked about it after the Dundee United game, and, and, and he said, well, it was a position I felt that we needed something more from. So Craig played against Dundee United B, apparently did okay, I, I didn't see the game, but then was dropped for the match against Edinburgh City, and Bernard Call's back playing. And then, weirdly, so you've got three left-backs at the club now. Weirdly, Ross Lyon is the only orthodox right-back at the club. He's injured. So Craig Reid, who's a centre-back, has to play there instead. And Reid didn't really offer much going forward and didn't really offer much going the other way. He, Ten minutes in, an Edinburgh City player ran past him and Craig Reid just grabbed him, you know, because he couldn't catch him <laughs> and got, got booked for it. So you've got a position now where you've got three left-backs, five centre-backs, and one right back. And, and you can't be in a position that's quite like Barry Ferguson at Clyde, where it's like, if someone has a bad game, well, I'm just going to sign another player in this position. We could end the transfer window with 46 players in our books, like just several players in, in, one, in one position. So imagine there'll be players leaving, but there is a big squad. But the problem is that the, the we've talked about the, the, the guys that are signed from non-league football. I think the, the, the SPFL players, the more established players, really need to pull their weight. We mentioned Jameson, Sean Crichton, it wasn't in the highlights, but he actually did something similar to Jameson minutes after that. He went out to, to the to, to the right back position to, to cover and clear and, and missed it. And, and luckily Edinburgh uh, overcomplicated it and missed their chance. But the old, and then you look in Central Midfield, Nat Weatherburn. Nat Weatherburn takes about three decades to bring the ball under control. It's like that new M. Night Shyamalan film, Old, but instead of, instead, instead of going to a beach and aging, just try to watch that weatherman control a football. <laughs> you've got, you've got, so you've got him in central midfield. You've got, you've got Ross Forbes not known for his ability to get around the pitch. The only player that, that's come in that I think, wow, he's been really, really good has been Robert Thompson. Like Thompson looks class. Thompson has been really, really good. 
playing that sort of like left-hand side, left-hand like, um, wide target man position. And he really did his best to try to, to, to shake the team up and, and get something from them. But, well, I think the, the, the Lone League guys are effectively to, to build a squad. You know, you're not going to have 11 Robert Thompsons because that's just impractical and too expensive. You're, so you are going to have like, like, like squad players in there. And I think that the, when the big players aren't performing... The, the guys that you've got on the bench perhaps aren't quite good enough to to, to step up and, and and take the take their position. So it's a a funny thing for for Stenhouse Muir at the moment, and we really do need to see improvement from the the, the more established characters. And I think that, that Stephen Swift and his team, his team of coaches, do have a job in their hands because if things if they're not able to pull themselves out in the tailspin, then we we could be in for a long hard season. Who knows? Senesmere could beat Cowdenbeath and, and they could beat them playing good football and it might be a completely different discussion. But I am I'm very cautious. I, I thought Stenismere would finish top four. And I'm, I'm I, I think that we just need to to stabilize and uh, and then move on from there. I suppose the good thing is for next season Stephen Swift has experience of the Lowland League. So that could that could uh, that could go well. Yeah, you know how many people have made that joke, Sean. I mean, a few, a few people I've seen have 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 made that that, that joke. But yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's just it's just a concern. It's just a concern, and and that's the thing that that people who say there's not much difference between the Lowland League and the SPFL, there is, there is. a big difference, man. There is ah. a big difference. Don't kid yourself. I mean, folk like, oh, Kel- oh what about Kelty Hearts? They could smash that division. It's like, well, Kelty Hearts aren't really a Lowland League side. You know they're a lowland league. They were a lowland league club prior to their promotion. But that team of players, I mean, I think that anyone you could take one look at that starting eleven and be like, well, that team could could hold their own easily in League Two, as has proven to be the case. You're talking about like sort of young guys that have been discarded by Rangers, by Celtic, that kind of fall through the like fall through the cracks and end up in the lowland league, thinking if there has been a misgem there, but in, in some instances. You might get like a, a Blair Lions, for instance. You know, someone who did or like an Anton. He was Anton Dowd's uh, East of Scotland League, but some some guys who, who perhaps have played at that level that have just not really had a chance. But then I, I I've yet to see that Stenismere's recruitment from the Lowland League traditionally had been poor. Heather to Stephen Swift coming in, and I'm really not yet seen anything for these players. To, to suggest they can cut it, and, and I really hope to be proven wrong. And, and no one likes I told you so. If something goes bad, like somebody sitting in the 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 the, the, uh, the, the twin towers, for instance, on, on the September 11th, and a, a hijacked jetliner is about to fly into them, saying, "Well, I told you this was going to happen." No one needs to hear that. No one needs to hear that. Somebody sitting on the the the, the, the on, on Challenger. After that's taken off, and and somebody's like, "Well, thirteen seconds in, it, it's like, well, this isn't very. <laughs> no, it's no helpful to anyone. Not helpful to anyone. That, that's quite the comparison. The twin towers, the Challenger disaster, and Stenhouse Muir's twenty twenty one twenty two League Two campaign. Sean, when you and I catch up next Thursday, I really hope we've got something positive to say about it. it just it just hasn't worked out quite well. I mean, we've not the, the League Cup performances. You know that something after when we convened the League Cup performances, I thought were very very positive, and I saw stuff there to suggest that if you're if you're I mean, albeit sort of shadow sides, but if you're if you're going toe to toe with Partick Thistle. That's a good sign. If you're if you're playing well in spells against St Mirren, that's a good sign. But other than the 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 sort of a wee spell in the second half against Albion Rovers when they drew two each, 
who they scored both their goals. Other than that, we've we've not really seen anything to, to that, that's that's been impressive about them, and it's a worry. It's a worry. What about a team that we said <laughs> we were worried about, and we've been pulled up about it on Pine Bovril? Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting, Sean. Uh, a fan accused us of, uh, just because we thought Annan might have a difficult season, we were accused of central belt bias. <laughs> I, I only read that comment today. It, was, it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it might have been, but I wasn't entirely sure how we could be accused of central belt bias. Bear in mind, every single summer, Annan's, uh, how Annan's season is going to go is entirely dependent on how well they've recruited from Queen of the South Reserves. Yes. Carlisle's Reserves. Yes. And Workington Reds. Yes. I was going to say, I sort of like that. Uh, and names like Morpeth Gentlemen's Club. Some of the, <laughs> <laughs> some of the guys they signed players from. I uh, chuck in that to mix in Stephen Swinglehurst. And that's basically, that's basically an athletic side. But you've got to say, uh, Fucking fair play to them because they were they were good against Stranraer. Albeit, in fact, actually, something I've noticed. We mentioned you weren't you weren't there as myself and Fowler and Andy Harrow last week. We said that how like Annan played well and took their goals well. They were abetted by some dreadful defending. I think the defending from Sterling Albion in this match was was somehow worse and is perhaps the worst defending. I think all three goals. The worst defending I have seen from any club so far I, in the SPFL. I thought last last week was bad against Sonar. This is even worse. I I particularly liked the I particularly liked the first one in terms of Blair Curry's uh, still an obvious goalkeeper. Blair Curry's his his in, indecisiveness about what to do. Will I I'll, I'll come out my box? Will I kick it? Will I back into my box? Will I not do anything? And and he, he went for the last option. I'll just not do anything. Incredible. The, 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 all three goals. I think it was the second one. The second one I actually properly laughed out loud at. This one, I had a long ball into the box, and I'm sure if Blair Curry had stood his ground, the ball would have come to him. If Blair Curry had charged out and headed it, it would have gone miles away. If he'd kicked it, it would have probably gone even further. But he chose a, a combination of kicking and controlling it, and he tried to take the thing on his knee. I don't know what he was. Th- I honestly don't know what he's thinking. It must be one of those things that when you're when you're you're like you you blame your your blame your brain just uh, just draws a complete blank, and it's only till like minutes afterwards that when you try to make sense of something that you can't. And you got to say fair play to Chris Johnson because he recognised that the goalkeeper was drawing a blank, <laughs> and they just decided to back into him. <laughs> and at that point, Curry's Curry's just all over the place. You got to say. Credit to Johnson because his finish is actually really good. You can see he's fallen off balance before he hooks a shot into the net. And I think it's um might have been Ross McGeeky or Jordan McGregor, one of the two of them that's that's coming back into cover and it just sails over him and into the net. So it's very well taken, but you've got to say, really, really poor for Curry. And I think Curry was at fault last week for a goal. I didn't watch all the highlights, but there was a Jamie Bar Jonas was getting a lot of credit for this ball that he clipped in. So I think it was for Nathan Austin. Might have been Nathan Austin, but for a ball that he clipped in. And it's like, ah, it's a great ball in. But Curry just stands there and doesn't come out to get it. And if he comes out and even makes an attempt, Austin's not got a chance, but he just stands there. And the ball sails over the defender's head right to his foot. And I think that when you see how, how well Cammy Binney is doing at Albion Rovers, he was, I think he was man of the match in the 2-2 draw against Stenhouse Muir the previous week. 
do you really think that Kevin Rukowitz has, has, has made a bit of a mistake there by by retaining Curry and, and letting Binny go? Because it feels, like a, it feels like a downgrade. I mean, I mean, still in Albion, and in general, look like they have all the right ingredients, or probably just enough ingredients to be a, a top four team. However, they the fans are probably getting a wee bit fed up of Rukovic because performances like Saturday, where they were, I mean, very much second best against Annan, those kind of performances, they come along, they come along all too often. And uh, I, I know they lost, I know they lost Andy Ryan uh, over the summer, which was that feels like a move that came out of the blue. And that's considering how well Andy Ryan started the season for Hamilton, you can see that's kind of uh, must have a, a kind of massive that leaves a massive hole in, in their strike force however looking at League 2 I always feel like Stalin Albion look like they have a reasonable budget but they never seem to punch their way at, at League 2 and it looks like they've they've started the season in the same way okay, okay Sean right I'm going to I'm going to give you an imaginary scenario there Pick, picture the scene you're going back to like May 2021 a few months ago you're Kevin Rutkowitz you've been you've been for your poor end to the season and you've had a chat with your chairman says we're going to give you this amount of money to, to put this this group of players together off you go so you make your signings uh, you, you you put your team together you go in pre-season you go go-karting you go paintballing you're building up your team spirit there everyone's getting on very well first league game you, you do very well in the, in the league cup sadly not enough well to get into the next stage but a good performance nonetheless and you beat Stenhouse Muir on the opening day everything's going very well the team are absolutely happy next week you lose at Kelty Arts disappointing you didn't play at your best but that's okay because Kelty are expected to win the division then You've just conceded a goal to Annan Athletic that was really poor. That was your goalkeeper's fault. You're shouting at your team, guys, keep it tight. <laughs> Don't lose your concentration. Bill Carrick takes centre. He passes it to Ray Grant. Ray Grant probably takes one touch too many. Ian Anderson comes out to, to, to close him down. Chris Johnson joins him. And then out of nowhere, your left back, Martin McNiff, comes over, slight tackles it, takes out takes out Chris Johnson and takes out Ray Grant, allowing Ian Anderson to run unaided at your unheeded at your defense, cut inside his left foot and shoot, toe poking it into the, the corner of the net. How do you think Kevin Rutkiewicz was feeling in that minute when he sees the ball nestling in the back of the net? It was, it, was, it was a very, very funny goal. I think, to, to be honest, the, the, the bit I liked about it the most was that I've already said that uh, Annan Athletics commentary is, is one of my favourite things of, uh, about the lower leagues this season. But the because the main commentator, he, he just makes noises. He just makes noises all through the, 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 the game. I don't think the first game I watched, he had a co-commentator, but he did for this game. And I don't know... Are you aware of Moonlighting, which was Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd's kind right. of late 80s, early 90s? Yes, uh, he made that before Die Hard. I'm sure that was the, yes. the when, when he was cast as John McClane. A lot of people were surprised because he was a, a comedy actor. Yeah, so they had a they had a bit in Moonlighting where they would they would talk really quickly over one another. And it was supposed to kind of, I suppose it was supposed to signal that they were cute together and there was a potential romance uh, in the offing. When when Ann scored their second goal on Saturday, both the main commentator and the co-commentator started to describe the goal, but they weren't talking to each other. They were just both simultaneously describing the goal. And then you think at one point, one of them will stop 
talking and just allow the other one, probably the main commentator, <laughs> to describe the action. But it just goes on for ages, and you can't make out anything that anybody's saying. They're just both shouting over each other. It was very, very fun. I, I watched their selling Albion's highlights. As soon as I switched on, Annan's was the shorter of the two. As soon as I saw that pixel camera, I smashed the YouTube. I, I, I smashed the browser closed so hard I damaged my laptop. I will not watch automated camera stuff. And so I'm sorry I missed the commentary. But the, the, the goals were really bad. And I mean, the, what do you think of the third goal, Tommy Goss's goal? This was this was dreadful as well because it was he effectively, I think it was Aiden Smith goes up for a header at the on uh, in the halfway line, and the ball slides through to Goss inside the halfway line. Adam Cummins comes along, and you think at that point, with um, McGregor out of position, you think Cummins would just take one for the team and just clatter him because it's two-one at that point. You've got a still a chance to get into the game, but he he seems to miss him. He seems to just not, not track him at all. And Goss goes in. Goss is a big, strong boy. He was able to hold off McGregor and, and is, is a good finish. But that was a that was another really, really rotten goal to lose. I defensively, defensively, Albion looked kind of weak, meek. And I mean, as much as I'm saying that they, they have a team that and a, a budget that you would expect them to be at the top end of the table, I'm kind of looking at the start of 11 and I'm thinking... Maybe they don't. Certainly defensively, I think maybe from midfield onwards they, they might be okay. Although that said, I thought Dylan Macken looked big. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even for a League Two footballer, he looked big. Bear in mind, just a couple of years ago, he was playing full-time football with Livingston. He was yep. one of Paul Hartley's signings at, at Falkirk. No wonder Falkirk got relegated if you're, if you're putting <laughs> your, your, your trust in some of them. Mack, I thought Macken was really poor. I think Macken has his uses. He's, he's quite a limited player, but he, but he does have his uses, but you certainly didn't see any of that against Annan. For a guy like his size to be pushed around by Stephen Swinglehurst and, and to go down looking for phantom free kicks and, and penalties, it's just, ah, uh, you're not really getting much much from him. And I think that as good a player uh, Dale Carrick is, the reason he's playing down at that level is because he's, he's had problems with his fitness. And I think you're right in terms of what you said about Andy Ryan. I, I, I certainly don't think anyone really expected to see him playing for Hamilton Academical. There's still, there's perhaps still time for them to address their forward line, Sterling Albion. But I would say I, I agree with your point about your defence. Sorry, Sterling Albion's defence. I think on the opening day of the season against the Warriors, Kyle Banner looked really, really good. Really did well to keep Tom Orr quiet. And I'm surprised that, that he's not starting because I had him in there. I think he's quite versatile and he's quick off the mark as well. And I think that had it been him in there, I don't think Tommy Goss, I mean, who knows what might have happened, but I, th- I don't think Tommy Goss would have found his path to goal as straightforward as he might have done. I think Banner would have been able to, to catch up with him and perhaps hold him off for uh, for someone else. But yeah, your overall points about Sterling Albion, it just really feels like since the 17-18 the, um, season when they finished in third place, it's really been a couple of years adrift for them. You know, it's, I think that they, I, I would imagine if you're, if you're signing guys like Ray Grant, for instance, you do have a decent budget, but they don't really seem to be getting value for money. And you do wonder, I, I thought, I said that at the start of the season, that the Rukovic might be the most under pressure manager in the league if things don't go well. And uh, I'm not really seeing anything to, to, to change my mind from that. I, I, I don't know if you, you, you've seen it, but the, I watched Forfar versus Kelty. So, I would have, at the start of the season, I probably would have expected uh, Kelty to win the league, Forfar to maybe be in the, the, the kind of playoff shout. And I think Cowdenbeath will do okay this season. And I know you 
you maybe don't agree with that. I, I, but my my three for the playoffs would have been Forfa, uh, Stirling Albion, and Cowdenbeath. Forfa and Kelty look, look like a, a like a, a really really good game. Two good teams. Kelty probably just about edged it, but they. I mean, we, we know the, the 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 strength and depth and the quality that that, that Kelty have. But in Nathan Austin, they have somebody that will probably score 30 goals this season. I think uh, Matty Aitken for Forfa looked excellent. But mm. even in general, uh, Forfa looked like they had a, a, a decent start in 11. You compare both of them to that still an Albion team and they looked light years uh, ahead of them. So as you said, uh, Rukovic might be under a bit of pressure and I... I, it's a really poor start to the season. I can't imagine the board would have that much patience with them, considering how much you, you presume that they've spent on on a, on a budget this season. It's quite interesting, Sean. At the start, we we were accused of sensible bias, so we're going to talk about an athletic, and we spent the whole time talking about Stirling Albion. And <laughs> instead, I got to say, I mean, Anne and that said, that's, that's two really good ones in the bouts where, where they've both scored uh, three goals in the in the games, and I think that. Uh, they, they didn't look too hot on opening day against Forth Athletic, but you've got to, to, to be really impressed by them. I, I don't think, who knows, I mean, they're, they're playing Albion Rovers at, at the weekend. Maybe Albion Rovers will defend, defend equally as dreadfully. But one of the things that, I, that, I, that when I enjoy watching the highlights is just they, they were they pressed very aggressively. I, I, and I know it's easy to do that when you're, when you're playing well and you're confident and you just scored two goals like in the space of about 30 seconds of one another. Everyone wants to get on the ball, but I, I thought that was really good. Like, like even like uh, Chris Johnson, who certainly seems to be playing his best football at Annan. I know he had a, a good spell at Kilmarnock immediately when he started, never quite lived up to that, but he really seems to have found the home at Gallabank. And him pressing, Aidan Smith pressing, Tony Wallace pressing, all guys that really want to to, to be on the front foot. That That's good. That, and, and couple that with the old war horses at the back and Paul Watson and uh, Stephen Swinglehurst there's, there's a good basis there I don't think they'll be able to keep it up over the course of the season but it's, uh, you've got you really have to give them credit for, for the, the way they've started particularly in the last two games you mentioned uh, so you mentioned Chris Johnson I, I do think with the greatest ball in the world I think League 2 might be his level I mm. remember when remember when Clyde came up he had a I think he had a brilliant season for Clyde, but he went in League Two. And then when he came up to League One, he I think he maybe started the season quite well. And then, well, and then that's, he, sorry, Sean, that's just to just get you. He'd been at Annan, he had a really good season with Annan. When Clyde got promoted, him and Tony Wallace both transferred so to he did. Clyde. So he did. No, you're right, you're right. Uh but uh, he's he's I think he's he's flatter to deceive at any level higher than than, than League Two. But uh, it's so strange because when he plays at League Two level. He looks like he is at times ab- above that level, but, but anytime he has the opportunity to, to prove that, he, he doesn't really seem to do it. But certainly at League Two uh, for for Aaron, he looks like a, a, a bit of kind of like he can sprinkle a bit of kind of quality and, and kind of stardust on a game. And he's yeah. the kind of player who I mean, he started the season really well. I think he's already got a couple of goals. Uh, I think he. I think he had an assist for Ian Anderson's goal as well uh, at the weekend. So if, if again, if we can keep him fit, then Annan might have a, a decent season. Yeah, I, I'd say so. And, and, and something that's, uh, I, I always say before, I think that it, there are a great place to go and visit. It's one of the, Gallibank's one of our favourite grounds in the country. And I think that they've got the setup off the pitch 
to, to, to make an impact in the SPFL. They just haven't got, got it quite right on it. And the fact that Colin McMenamin's in there as Peter Murphy's assistant means I wish them all the best. I absolutely love Colin McMenamin. He's a brilliant. I've, uh, I've, I've never been to, I've never been to Annan, I've never been to Cove, and I've never been to Kelty. That's the three, the three venues I still have to visit. I've quite fancy going to Starks Park. Maybe next time Stennis Muir are away and Wraith Rovers are at home, I'll uh, come. Me, I, yeah, I'd say I'll come and sit next year. I'll, I'll just come. You don't. Uh, no pressure on you to have to entertain me. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. If you uh, if you are uh, if you are coming to Kirkcaldy, I will make sure I sit next to you. Excellent. Well, that's great. Well, I think we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up there, Sean. Shall we? Yes, I. That's absolutely fine. Excellent. Well, there you go. There's your three games. That's your whack. Uh, Sean and I are going to record a Patreon where we are going to be talking about Sean's all-time favourite Wraith Rovers team. Not necessarily his favourite 11 players from his time supporting them, but his favourite team, his favourite season, his favourite era from supporting the Rovers. So tune in for that. But, uh, oh, we forgot to put a break in. Listen, uh, drink Beer 52. Simple list. <laughs> Craig Fowler always asks us to put we a literally, break in. But before we started, we literally said, right, oh, we must. As soon as we do the intro, we'll have a wee break for uh, for an advert, and we've we've not done it. Yeah, so uh, drink beer fifty two. I drink it all the time. It's, it's... I, uh, I I cannot I cannot stop drinking beer fifty two. It is delicious. Yeah, anytime I'm at the gym, I take a beer fifty two with me. When I'm seeing my grandparents, I take a beer fifty two with me. When I'm at bar mitzvahs, I take a beer fifty two with me. So yeah, it really is as versatile as that so uh, get sucking um, because that's that stuff that's just really good and so we didn't even talk about my flat it's uh, we've done a whole podcast without mentioning it you, you've got a bed now you still don't have any furniture at all and it's not arriving until October yes aye so the bed's fantastic I'd say that I'd, I'd highly recommend getting a bed if you, if you don't have one already <laughs> if you don't have a bed I, I would recommend purchasing one Aye, the, the bed's fantastic. I think it's the, the, the mattress. It's a Simba mattress. So it's it's one of those ones that's developed by NASA or something. Quite expensive, aren't they? That, that, somebody's doing all right. Sean, the way I see it is you spend one third of your life lying horizontally, uh, staring up at the ceiling. So you want to do it comfortably, you know? Uh, so that's that, that that that's why I bought a match. I could I could make a joke there as well about the about the chicks, but uh, no, there's 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 none of that. It really is a <laughs> pitiful existence, a pitiful, loveless, desireless existence. But anyway, the bed's very comfortable. The the I've got uh, I had to buy a new fuse box last week. That was that was expensive. I've got nice lighting in the bedroom, but the furniture doesn't come until the start of October. Thank that. You can blame the coronavirus and Brexit. Why not? As well for that. We're out of the European Union. Some people might enjoy that, but that means my furniture's taking fucking ages to arrive. So I won't be here till the start of October. That's never put that in the side of your bus. Aye, exactly. I Boris Johnson's big bus of lies. Let's see, what we what we put on it. Uh, Colt teams will benefit Scottish football. Great. Rangers signing this 19-year-old jobber for Colombia to play in their B team. Aye, that's fantastic. Can't wait for him to run it against Moldova next month. <laughs> Hopeless. Stick that and then stick, ah, your furniture will be delivered quickly. Well, it's not. It's not being delivered quickly. And that's why I'm I'm still uh, still still in here. They're barely going to the living room. Nobody cares. Listen, we're just rambling. Let's let's get this wrapped up. Thank you very much. Thank you for your support. Listen to us on Patreon because it's going to be good fun. Uh, Sean, thank you very much. No worries. Cheers. Thank you. Goodbye. Podcast Network.